0: ultra races for me, the way that I approach them, I'm like, this is just a beautiful metaphor to life and the resiliency and strength and these unlimited capacities that are in all of us. It's not just me. I get on the start line and I can look around me and there's people in their 50s, 60s, 70s that are on that same start line that have believed that they can go the same distance, the same journey that I'm about to take. And I couldn't be more inspired by that. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Beauty Radio. Today's guest is Sally McRae. Sally is a Nike mountain runner who competes in 50 to 100 mile races around the globe. She's one of the highest ranking and well known athletes in the sport of ultra running. She's a mommy of two, a motivational speaker, and an all around ultra inspiring human being. Sally started running as a young girl and she initially focused her athletic career goals around soccer but then turned to running after college with marathons, baby steps. She started with marathons, you guys. She would eventually turn into ultra trail and mountain races where she shines today. So throughout her childhood, you guys, Sally battled adversity in her home life which includes losing her mother to cancer at just 17 years old. Operating from a growth mindset, she opted towards learning from her adversities, which helped to create the incredibly resilient woman and pro athlete that she is today. She officially turned pro at 32 years old when Nike signed her. It's a moment that taught her to never, ever give up on her dreams. So we talk about a lot of rad topics in this conversation, you guys, such as leaning into your challenges and allowing them to develop your resilience and your strength. We talk about how she navigates around her family relationships and the importance for her of staying connected with her family and her friends. We discuss when and why Sally started running, how she processed officially turning pro at the age of 32 years old. Why Sally is drawn towards ultra mountain running. What she loves about running 100 mile runs in the mountains around the world, it's incredible. Her thoughts on self image and her physique as an athlete and a woman how her body responded to her training and her races in the early stages of her career. It's really interesting stuff. How she uses tracking. So think like calories and macros and her biofeedback to keep tuned into her body's needs to be performing optimally. We talk about muscle health and its overall importance for health and performance, We talk about what her main focus is with her body goals, not just for her racing, but for life. We talk about what running has taught Sally about herself. We talk about a lot of things, you guys. It's a really juicy conversation. I loved it so, so much. and. You know, Sally was the first guest that I recorded with when COVID-19 started to elevate globally and hit us here in the U.S. big time. It honestly felt like divine timing to have one of the most resilient, tough-minded, warm-hearted, and high-spirited humans on this planet come on to the podcast and share her empowered mindset and super inspiring story with all of us. You know, I couldn't be more proud to have her on the show and especially right now while we're all navigating around the adversities that are coming with COVID-19. So lastly, I want to say that I think one of my most favorite parts, and there are so many about this episode, are the big belly laughs that we shared. So that's also a warning for you guys. You might want to turn down the volume. Sally and I literally were like... (sighs) cracking up the whole time. And it was such a nice break from the current reality that has, you know, been taking place for all of us. It literally, all these laughs increased our serotonin levels. So my hope is that they make you laugh just as big too. You know, I want you to keep laughing. I want you to keep strong. And I want you to enjoy the beautiful and inspiring energy in this talk that is Sally McRae. Enjoy you guys. So, Sally, I am so grateful to have you here on the podcast. Um, it's actually, you know, you are the first podcast guest that I'm recording with in this pretty gnarly time that we're all facing right now with uh, the coronavirus. So, it it's definitely going to be a part of our conversation. Um, but I feel it's interesting. I was I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, man. She is like one of the most incredible guests that I can have on specifically right now because I mean, your diet of mileage running is like, oh, just 100 miles. Like, what? <laughs> talk about resilience right there. Let's talk about mindset because right now, I mean, you know, like mindset is it's 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 so imp- it's always important and it's something that's always a part of the conversation with me and Blackwell Beauty. But it is, it's so important right now. So I feel like I have just one of the most badass females out there that can really, you know, speak to a strong mindset and fortify and elevate people right now in this, in this way. So thank you for being That really means a lot to me. What a a really sweet introduction, Roxanne. I'm stoked to be on your podcast. So thanks for asking me. (laughs) Yes. Well, let's dive right in because there's so much to cover with you. So Can you give our audience a little, uh, it's always funny. Can you give us a little background? It's like you've lived this whole incredible (laughs) life. (laughs) How'd you get here? (laughs) I mean, let's ask you this actually, before we even go there, I just want to ask you, how are you coping and working with coronavirus? Even like just from emotionally, you know, you're a mommy of two. I mean, obviously training right now. I don't know how that's working with you. I know that you just had some races canceled. Let's start there right now. Mhm, yeah, you know this is I think when we enter in, in any any time in my life when I have been affected by something that that really hits home with more people than just me, I think when you have a personal challenge or obstacle um, it I have naturally just approached it differently than when it's affecting every single person around me, and truly. The coronavirus is. I mean, it's affecting people worldwide. And so what is also helpful in that is to maintain a worldwide view and constantly be thinking of others. So anytime that I've been frustrated or oh wow, this is altered, or this race is canceled, or I can't do this, I am able just to immediately snap out of it and be like, no, wait, this is this is everybody. <laughs> this isn't just yeah. is me. And so I feel like As things have escalated pretty quickly here in the United States, I feel like every single day there's like a new ban on something or a new regulation, or it's like you can gather with less and less and lesser people. Um, I feel like, you know what, so much of what is going on is completely out of our control. And I have, there have been many seasons in my life, many years in my life where I had to learn how to live when I had no control and was unaware, unknowing of, of how the next day was going to be or what the next year was going to be like. So in many ways I'm like, Oh, I've been here before. This is, I've, my whole life has been training for situations like this. So I probably, and I'm unusually calm in, in these type of situations. Like I'm very relaxed. I'm not fearful. I'm not anxious. I'm not running to the store, buying pallets of toilet paper. Um, <laughs> 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 right. Right. <laughs> Have you seen the meme? Have you seen the meme yet? Like the panic room meme? (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna gonna text it to you. It's like it's it's like panic room ready, and you've got like toilet paper on the ceilings on the walls. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I I don't get it. I don't get it. I know, I know. And I I I read some articles, some psychologist is trying to break it down for people like, you know, it's the one thing that they can control. And I'm like, but why toilet paper? Like, I know. know Right. (laughs) Right? Something that'll actually help your immune system. But I don't know. We, but that's humans, right? We look at our neighbor and see them freaking out and think they must know something that we don't. And so I need to follow suit. And, you know, I have just learned to not live my life that way. I don't look around at other people's anxieties and fears and choose to then live my life that way. I'm, I've very opposite of that. And so, um, I think right now during the coronavirus, my, my goal, I, you know, we have such a great community in, in the endurance world. I have, uh, the people that follow me on social media, primarily Instagram, it's just an awesome community and I'm in contact with them every day. And, you know, my hope is just to keep doing what, um, what I've always done. And that is just really, I, I never get political on my side. I I try to always keep a hopeful, positive message. And I'm like, I'm just going to continue in that because whatever we face each day, whether it's good or bad, you're, we're supposed to embrace it because it's a part of what shapes us. We need all parts of seasons, all parts of life, the up and down, because that keeps us as well-rounded people. And so, um, you know, that's really been my goal in all of this. So just that's so beautifully and perfectly said. And yeah, your Instagram, (laughs) I vibe with it so well because I'm very similar to you. You know, I don't get political. It's just all about just keeping an elevated mindset and, and ultimately sharing a very elevated vibe. And, and it's, 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 you know, giving reverence to the reality of the scenario. It's not necessarily pretending it's not there or trying to lighten it necessarily, but it's just, you know, and you know, I'm very. We we briefly spoke about this before we started recording, but uh, I've, you know, I I literally have said this to my friends too. You guys, I I feel like I was born for this. Like my life, mm. there's been so many, you know, moments of adversity. Some of which I've brought onto myself. Just being an entrepreneur is is the best example of that. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, being a freelance makeup artist and climbing your way to the top. It's like there's just so. But then there was childhood you know, um, adversity as well, which were not, you know, I didn't, I just got caught in the line of fire. It wasn't like I asked for those things, you know, but all of it groomed me to be incredibly resilient. And even in my training, so I don't, you don't know this much about me, but you know, I have several different modalities of movement. So Brazilian jujitsu, I lift weights. I do long, I was about to say long distance beach runs. And then I remembered who <laughs> I was talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch the and We're talking like 10Ks, 10Ks in the sand. <laughs> hey, that's that's solid, especially when it's in the sand, because then it feels like Thank you're going you. 20 miles. No, well done. <laughs> said, Thank you so much. I know that's so funny. 10Ks. God, I can't. Yeah. So you know, but uh, you know, I always say life is my sport. People ask me, what are you training for? I'm like life, because mm-hmm. life is always coming at us and it's and it's, I want to be ready. It's like the way of the warrior at, at, at all times, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally. So I am with you in this, in this state right now where it's like, I am calm and I am, you know, composure under pressure is something I always speak to. It's always a part of the conversation. And it's, mm-hmm. it's cool right now because it's like, you know, you never know how you're really going to respond in a situation like this. Right. Cause like, I've totally. never been here before. Even right? you Right? Yes, and so yeah, very but it's, good. it's wonderful to feel like more than anything, I feel like I'm being called to duty,
1: mm-hmm. like
0: oh, here you go, because mm-hmm. everything that you always speak about that you share and that you embody, and that like now is the time to amplify the message amplify yes, absolutely, it. oh my gosh, girl, I agree with you, yeah, I, so it's yeah it's it's, it's, it's I. I'm I'm, again, like just to pull it back to the beginning and then I want to dive into your childhood. Um, I'm just so grateful to have you being the first guest because I really do feel like it's almost like, you know, divine timing, right? Just to have you. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we've got the same vibe, Roxanne. I the same laugh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you listening, it's okay if you need to turn that volume down a bit (laughs) because We'll bring it right without- back up for you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, but you so know what? Good. This is this is something that I think um, this time uh, as it affects the whole entire world too. You know, you and and you said it so wonderfully. I think that I I really need to amplify my role, what I know to be doing, and I think it's so beautiful when you know your purpose, when you understand that the adversities in your life they were not in vain. They are for something, you know. Brokenness and challenges and all those things that that you went through, they they do feel like they break you at some points, but they also break you in such a way that you have a greater capacity for compassion and understanding. You're able to reach more people. And one of my favorite quotes um, by Ruth Stoll is, um, "A loaf of bread can feed a little, uh, can feed a lad." But when broken into pieces, can feed a multitude, and that's so true in life. When, uh, when we hit tough situations and we hit those seasons in life where we just feel so broken and without strength and having a hard time seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, that brokenness is is for a reason, and you're able to identify with. More people than you think when you come out the other end of it. You can sit with someone who has been in those seasons of frustration and hopelessness and feeling like, you know, everything is out of control or feeling that loss. And, um, you know, I, I think that when I get to connect with someone as yourself who has been there too, it just makes it all the more powerful. And I just feel like my my heart's being warmed up right now because I love connecting with people that understand what it's like to be in the storm, but also understand that it's not in vain and it's not for nothing. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's devastating when you talk to people that have no hope that that cannot understand that this is not for nothing. It is for something and there is a bright side. So, um, again, I'm just so excited to chat with you, Roxy. Me too. (laughs) You too, girl. Well, I appreciate that. And I think, um, it would be so cool, you know, just so fun to research you. So you, at a very young age, I mean, I, you faced a lot of adversity, right? Mm. I mean, you were you started working, I believe, around the age of seven. No, not seven. Like yeah. long. is it seven? Yeah, it, I was yeah. taking a cute video. Right. <laughs> Where I felt like we had like matching haircuts, like after that race. And- <laughs> I'm not not kidding. That should be the cover of the podcast. Like a side (laughs) by side of you and me. Like Sally and Roxy, long lost siblings. I'm making it. I will make it. I (laughs) swear. Like our our arms, like everything. We have like a similar, like mesomorph body type, you know? (laughs) Yes, totally. Your cheeks were all red and it was. I do want to say this. Like, you know, I. Up until 12. So I ran cross country and I ran uh, track later, but I was I was dope, girl. Like I was winning. And then it just awesome. all stopped when like certain things I moved and lived with my mom and I started surfing, and that really changed my whole life. But um <laughs> it, like Flojo is my idol. I was like, Yes, I love, love Flojo. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I just remember like the feeling of when I saw you in that video, um, just to reference it, the the movie was it, Western. What's the name of it? I'll have it in the Western notes. time. Yeah, yeah Billy Yang. Yeah, it was so good. I'll make sure that there's a link for people to watch it in the in the you. notes. But watching watching you run that race, it's funny. Like you were running other races in that video as well. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> beautiful video. But there was something about that childhood one that I think it just hit me personally. Cause I just felt like I saw me and you in that moment where I'm like, look at her lead and go. And I remember when I was racing the, the I'm on a rant right now, but I'll, it's going to end right now. Do you remember, did you ever see the movie Sea Biscuit? Yes. <laughs> okay. 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 I don't know if you remember this. Sorry to whoever hasn't seen it yet. I'm about to ruin the end for you. Do you remember? It's so old. <laughs> so old. Like anyone's looking to watch that this weekend. They're like movies, movies, Seabiscuit for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I learned like it such a kid. <laughs> I don't even remember how old it was, but it was, he you remember the part where he where he's like, he pulls the, the jockey, who's going to ride sea biscuit at the end. And he's like, like whispers to him, you get him up really close next to the horse because it's not his, whatever he says, like, it's not his legs. It's his heart that won't let him lose. I Mm -hmm. get chills and I want to cry. I'm that girl. Like I'll cry every time I watch Rocky, my life hero. And so like, that was when I saw you running that race, I just felt like I saw your heart and it, it it really hit mine because that's that's where I come from in everything that I do. Mm. So that was a rant. Love that. No, it was awesome, <laughs> and that movie was legit from two thousand three. People, so. <laughs> so not popping up on Netflix in the top uh, top movie releases, but a great movie, a great analogy, and I love that quote. And. Um, Yes. I you know, I watched that the, the actually when I was giving that footage to Billy Yang, he's the one that um that made that film, I remember him freaking out kind of with the same sentiment. And he's like, Oh my gosh, that's so you. Like who you were when you were seven, that's who you know, that's who you are. And I hadn't watched that film in many years, but I remember the part that stuck out the most to me was my mom just hollering at me as I was coming down the hill, go Sally, you can do it. And me thinking like, oh my gosh, like I have a little bit of, of her in me and realizing how powerful her words were in that, you know, that realizing that many times as children, we are so shaped by those that actually give us a glimmer of hope and belief to believe in ourselves and really just, um, Understanding how powerful that is for kids, but also that we never ever stop needing that even as adults, oh, um, yes. and so yeah, that really piece is, is really precious to me. I remember cr- you know crying when Billy first showed me the film at that part because the way he crafted it into the story mm-hmm. was so powerful in a way that I. I wasn't connecting with originally, and, and so I was really grateful. Well, he's a very talented storyteller, so um, that was just really special to me. Um, yeah, he did a great job. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, so you, so I mean, first of all, so you, soccer was your first sport, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Soccer, soccer and gymnastics. Yeah, those were the my two loves. So strong, <laughs> yeah, they're so gnarly. And then, so can we talk a little bit? I just want to dive into. Mm-hmm wherever you're comfortable going, but just like childhood adversity, like starting to work at seven. And then, you know, I know that, so you come from a family of five too, right? I think we're both. Yeah. Five kids. So yeah. So so seven. Oh, okay. Where are you? you I'm the second, second. Okay. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So chaos and loudness. That's why we're so loud. I feel like women they are from big families, they are, you're re- like, that's how you survive. Like who's the loudest? Yeah. I have three <laughs> brothers and my sister's older and we were, you know, and I think we're similar in age, but, um, you know, we're 80s, I'm an 80s baby. I was born in 78. And so, you know, we, I come from the era of you played outside, you, we had clubhouses, we were running, yeah. Like we were doing all the things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm super grateful because I'm so close with my siblings and, oh, um, so yeah, it's really rad. They're just your best friends. And mm-hmm. yeah, they, you know, it, it definitely, I think, enhances enhances character, you know, when you when you get to have, especially if you're close to your siblings, the way that me and mine are, you know, we were just, mm. just I don't know, we did everything together, you know, mm-hmm. which was so rad. But on to you. So are you close with your siblings? You know, I... I was in years past closer and I mean that more like in a proximity way because um, you know, I have two that live in India, mm-hmm. one in Hawaii, and then one that actually lives here in Huntington Beach where I am. And now that we are all adults, it just has made it so much more difficult to connect. Sure. I'm the only one that has kids. I'm the only one that's married. Wow. Um, so that has completely changed a lot of how we all connect with each other. Um, and I'd say too, like when I, before my mom passed away, my mom passed away when I was 17, but before that we were all a lot closer and kind of like just touching back on, on the coronavirus, like you don't know how you're going to respond to situations like this. I remember, you know, we all responded differently and in many ways it, it, it changed our life it changed our our relationships and how we we connected with one another because it was such a a devastating time so you know right now i only get to see them we all gather together maybe like once or twice a year and that has definitely been a really hard thing for me over the years because as a kid you imagine Same thing, like we you play outside every day together and your whole life. You don't your parents say it, but you don't really understand it. But they always tell you, like, no, you have your siblings forever, they actually will be like your best friends, whether you want them to be or not. Yeah, they are your like they are your bloodline forever. And so, in my mind, I always imagine I have three sisters and one brother, but that we would be married together and our kids would be together and you know they be, be cousins would be best friends and you i you know you you build up these visions and these dreams in your head as to how it's going to be and then when it's not it's just such a it's a painful thing to confront when it's completely opposite you know it's com- sure. my my relationship with them is is so opposite so i'm more at a stage where it's like any time i get to have with them is really precious and yeah. i i value it and i but for but it's also been years and years and years and years and years of me longing wishing that it was more and it mm-hmm. was um, more frequent so I always tell my kids and my friends around me too is like you are if you have a family that is knit together don't ever lose sight of that and be so grateful that you have each other because family really is everything and for for people that are listening that actually don't have family or even family within proximity, you know, your, your family also tends to fall into those dear precious friends. And, you know, that, that you have those in your community and whether it's college friends. So I actually have a really solid, solid group of college girlfriends. There's like 10 of us that are pretty much like my sisters and, you know, they know my kids really well and we get together a ton. So, you know, it's just the, the way that life has, has turned, but uh, it's also made me just so much more grateful for the precious relationships I do have. I love that. That's so beautiful. You're so right. It is for those, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because obviously not everybody gets to have siblings like us or, you know, have just family, period, really. But mm-hmm. family is definitely, you know, my tribe of people, my best friends, like, you know, just they are parts of my family, it's extended family, truly. Mm -hmm. And it's, so you really can get that, have that connection, that love. And I love that you even say community. I mean, right now, you know, with this virus going on, it's, it's pretty impressive to see uh, my community in the South Bay, uh, you know, how everyone's working together and even, Mm -hmm. you know, just like text chain with my family. It's like, if somebody's going to the market, they let us know. So that way we're (laughs) not all going to the market. You know what I mean? And (laughs) it is, you know, so I think just, yeah, whether it is your blood or your community, your friends, like family, it is, it's such an important piece. It's an, it's an important pillar to, to a wealthy life. And like you said, you just, you know, you live in so much gratitude for the connections, the relationships, the relationships that you have, which I think is so healthy. It's, it's a currency that is very, very important to, to realize and realize it every single day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing. So, okay, let's go into a little bit of where, you know, like I know that gymnastics and soccer is where you started, but Mm -hmm. when did running come in? Because from, I don't know if this is still true, but is it true that you've never even raced a five or a 10 K? Like you just went straight into hardcore (laughs) gnarly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. No, it is true. So crazy. I, I, I've done a 5K um, walk for breast cancer back when my daughter was a baby. Um, and then any 10K, like I think I've done one, I think one 10K, but I did it as part of a long run that I had for that day. So it was like, I ran it and then ran like another 15 miles. It wasn't like, oh, I'm... I'm training for this 10 K and I hope that I get this time. Um, I think I did. Yeah. Maybe one, pretty much anything that I did on the road before going into ultras. I want to say I did four marathons or maybe three, three or four marathons, but it was once a year and I always did them as just kind of like the goal to, to keep my training in and, and to get me outside. I never was in that state of mind of okay, I'm I'm going to be an elite road runner. It was in many ways, you know, running without a soccer ball was so foreign to me Mm -hmm. for so long. But running as a supplement uh, to my fitness and and the necessary part of my training mm-hmm. uh, that was just a part of my life and having been a high level soccer player for so long when i was done playing in college running was just like i need to be doing something i need to have goals you know my life had changed so much it was really difficult to have had all this high level training and you know training twice a day to, and then to go to nothing so in on, in some ways it wasn't like I was just suddenly like this recreational runner that ran three days a week and three miles every day. It was, I was this high level athlete that had had this dream of becoming a professional athlete and none of those goals, those dreams came to fruition because of many things. That had happened in my life that were heartbreaking and devastating. And I, all that I knew to do was, knew to do was just, I just need to keep training and I don't even know for what, I don't know what's ahead or what goal there is, but I do know that it's a part of who I am as far as like what brings my me joy and sets my heart on fire. It wasn't necessarily like my identity because I loved what I was doing in my career at that time. I was a freshman English teacher. I was a soccer coach. Um, I had a lot of joy in my life, but there was this part of me that was like, I feel like I'm like, this is what I'm made to do though. Like I am an athlete. I'm strong. I'm fast. I love training. Like what am I supposed to do with all this? And so it was more of a discipline to keep doing what I loved when even in that time, I didn't have the answers as to why I was doing it. So when I finally got signed, I was 32 when I finally became a professional athlete, I was th- or 32 or 33. That's amazing. It, it, was, it was like a dream come true. It was so shocking, but it was so revealing. And it was such a powerful lesson for me to learn that you never, ever, ever give up on your dreams. You never, ever stop moving, moving forward in the things that you know that you were made to do. That's amazing girl. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Well, I'm like, there's so much right there that you just gave me. Um, and yes to that. I, so, okay. When you, I, I'm so curious what happened from, so you were obviously aiming to be a pro soccer player. That was, yeah. it sounded like that was your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously running is a part of conditioning. I feel like for any sport, Oh, absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what what drove you to just start doing marathons? Because even marathons that that's gnarly. (laughs) Like like, me, I (laughs) I still think so. Yeah, road marathons are painful. (laughs) (laughs) They really are. You know, running is hard. You know what I love um, about running is it's just straight up grit work. It's Mm -hmm. you, even though there's so much joy, and you get the runner's high, and all that, and it's very meditative you know when I'm running the beach I, I do feel like the black stallion like the scene on the beach you know like- <laughs> <laughs> I love that the <laughs> Oh. Like, like no <laughs> movie from this decade. <laughs> no, not even, not even. Like, it's so true. I mean, nice. ready the Goonies reference? Like yes. any time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll come just naturally, though. Best movies ever, though. What? I yes, mean, I, I, so know. Music I know lucky. movies. They don't make them like the labyrinth anymore. Oh I mean, my it, god it's <laughs> david bowie Life, yes.
1: no. so
0: good and his tights were so inappropriate oh <laughs> like it was bad. I'm like, wait, kids were allowed to watch this. <laughs> he is like in white tights, like yoga tights, like the whole idea of yoga pants. He is the one that he's he's like paved the way. Oh my god, me and my brother and <laughs> my sister. We literally have we. You know what we? Oh my god, I can't believe this. <laughs> you knew the discussion was going to go in this direction, right? Again, I sorry had, to the listeners, but we had turn the team. volume down. <laughs> you guys, this is like one of the most like inside funny things in <laughs> my family. So, do you remember the scene where David Bowie is singing, You Stole My Baby? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Unforgettable. Yeah. <laughs> for many reasons right so whenever (laughs) me and my siblings in in any kind of public setting like if we saw some man (laughs) oh no here it comes people I'm getting the best out of workout right now. <laughs> okay, you guys, so when we would see, so David Bowie has these tights and he's bulging. It's just like, <laughs> totally. Like, this movie should be R, not PG or G, whatever it is. This is not for children. I'll put a picture of David Bowie in tights in the show notes for you guys. Captioned, you stole my baby because every time we would see a man <laughs> bulging, we would, we would literally be like, Whoa, you stole my baby! And that's how we <laughs> uh, so good! Oh my gosh, I mean, legit, still to this day, we would throw it down like that. You see a bulge like, dang, you stole my baby. <laughs> oh my gosh So it's be careful so good. be careful sally i'm gonna just text you randomly when i see something oh, i love it <laughs> you know, oh my gosh <laughs> you know there's got to be some gifts i'm gonna look it up on my oh, phone in just 100. a little bit there's got to be some david bowie it is so you know, it's the best it's like when you think <laughs> of like those little inside things that you think that maybe you or your family or your friends picked up on but then you go online you're like oh my god I wasn't the only one <laughs> I <It> wasn't the only <laughs> like the most (laughs) nuanced pieces people like we we, yeah there's more people like us than we realize it's amazing
1: See, so we are so all
0: connected in so many ways, people. This is to continue. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. Well, yeah. So I'm Black Stallion on the beach in my bikini, <laughs> running with my long black ponytail. It feels like my, my tail, you know? But yeah, I uh, God, why did I even start talking? Because <laughs> <laughs> you were like, marathons are hard. And I was like, right, Dude, thank yes. You. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cause I, I feel, ugh, I still don't know where it was. Oh, meditation. Cause this is, I was going to say, so as much as there are so many um, beautiful feelings that you can get from runs running is, and I say this all the time on my Instagram story, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard because there's no, it's not like these hit classes and you're like, you got the things that you can use and you mm-hmm. jump and you get the swing, the kettlebell. And I love all that. I, I mean, I do so much of it, but running especially and we're gonna this is like all going to you now like Mm -hmm. when we think about marathons gnarly but when we Mm -hmm. think about trail ultra trail i mean you're like in the mountains (laughs) and you're going 50 hundred i mean i just can't even imagine what what's going on in your mind what's going on in your body and obviously we are very resilient humans mm-hmm. it's incredible the way that we can adapt our bodies adapt but um i just yeah i guess a, a couple to pull that apart a little bit for you is like number 1 you know how did why was it marathons like what drove you there and then how did you go from marathons into ultra trail running is that how you say it appropriately because yeah there's so many i feel like there there's so many different arms within just ultra marathons yeah there's there's trail there's there's trail running which there's like 5k's on the trails right you know so there's yeah there's trail running as a whole there's sky running which those are shorter distances but they're up really high in the mountains on ridge lines oh wow Um, and then there's, yeah, then there's the ultra marathon, which is any distance past the marathon distance. So a 27 mile race is an ultra marathon okay. and you know, but then those distances, they go on and on and they, you could have an ultra marathon on the road. You right. could have it on dirt path, but you could also have it like up in the Alps or through deserts or, um, so really there's just so many different categories that, that right. cover it. Um, so I, I typically just say I'm a mountain runner, which probably is one of the least popular ones, but it it really defines more of what I specialize in, I guess, so to speak. I specialize in big mountain races, like hundred mile races in, in the mountains. Not so much there's hundred mile races on the road. Yeah. So, um, it's also what you're most passionate about. I imagine if that's, it is, I love, yes, I love, love being in the mountains and that's also, why I choose the longer distances because it's just more time in the mountains, and I get to see more. And I, I run these all over the world, so it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, see what it's like to run or 100K is like I'm, I'm typically in between 100K and 100, uh, 100 miles. So 100K is like 62 miles, but okay. yeah, if I can run on, you know, through the mountains in France or Italy or um, in Australia or New Zealand, like that is just incredible. It's, it's, it's such a gift. Yeah. It's so special. And, you know, and, and going pedaling back on your original question, like how I, I kind of transitioned to that and why I went marathons, why I went ultras. I think that overall, and this video we were talking about earlier, this, when I was seven doing this race, running was for whatever reason. And I have very vivid images of myself doing this. I always love Mm-hmm. I I just I loved it. I remember in the schoolyard being faster than all the boys and I loved that, you know, that I, and I was very much a tomboy growing up. So I played football with the boys and I played soccer with them and if there was a new boy that came to school, all the boys would get together and be like you have to race Sally. Like that was like I was so proud of being the fastest one in my city, the fastest one in my school. Like it was just a part of me from the time I was a little girl. And so doing these local community races, which a lot of times were free, like in that, in that video, that was the first time I had raced. I, I just enjoyed it. And I don't think that little kids really understand much about racing. They just know they need to get the finish line first. And I think there's so much purity in that. There's so much, um, just there's a rawness when kids when kids race you know when we get become adults like we're just a lot more heady and we think about the pacing and fueling and and all this so I think that because I did it starting at a young age and I never had a running coach um I developed this love for it and I would walk down to this park that was about I don't know like a quarter mile from from our house and I would run laps around it just for fun like it was just kind of like my thing. And I think even as a kid, that park was also a place that was away from my house and it was, it was a good place for me to be. So I'd like play on the playground and pick flowers and then I'd just also run laps. And so even without really knowing why I was doing it, I knew that it made me feel good. And I loved the way that I felt with the wind blowing through my hair and, you know, just being fast. And so as I got older... Um running was always kind of like the supplement to what I was doing. So in high school, I one of my best friends, um, Scott Holland, he was a soccer player and he was on the cross country team. And, you know, I was a soccer player too. He's like, dude, you gotta join cross country with me. And I went out on the team for one day. And I was like, that is the most boring. No. I am that is so lame. Like, no, I'm a soccer player. Yeah. Yeah. So then when track season came, all of the soccer coaches and uh, basketball coaches are like, you guys all need to do track because it keeps you in shape. It helps you build like power, speed, explosiveness. Yeah, and so it. I was a sprinter because that's all I can handle. I was like, yeah, I'll do what 100 you the 100 and 200. <laughs> oh, wow. That's gnarly. I did the
1: Yeah. Like that's yeah. a painful
0: event. It really, <laughs> I think all of it is right. I've yeah. sprints in the summer with my brothers. And yeah. like, it's, it's disgusting. Like it's, yeah. a, it's beautiful at the same time. I love yeah. it. It's so hard that, wow. So you started doing track then mm-hmm. did that, and that gave you, did it kind of open up your mind um, a little bit more to, to running versus soccer? Well, I always, like, I was always good at it. So like I won all the time. I was always like in the top three, like, and our, I think we, our, our school, we were like back to back undefeated league champions. Like we had an amazing track and field team. Um, I, I found a lot of enjoyment in it, but I didn't do it past my sophomore year. So, because at that time, by the time I was a sophomore, all eyes, all attention were on just getting a college scholarship, being the first in my family to, to go to college. I was very, very focused on soccer at that time. So running was anytime we had to do it like in soccer, like with the team, I loved it. Like I knew that. And I always played the positions too, that required the most running. So it was always like on the out, like outside halfback or wing um, striker. Like I was always running up and down the field. I just enjoyed the running. So, you know, past my sophomore year was just all soccer. But after that, you know, after I graduated from from college, the running, the way it came back into my life was really interesting. I had um, just finished college. I was brand new married, like five weeks married. And my husband and I went with our college, which we had just graduated from, to China to teach English. Um, It was like this summer program in Tianjin, China. And little did we know until we got there that we would be teaching twelve hours a day, six days a week. No, <laughs> we had no idea. We're like, dude, free trip to free trip to China. You know, we'll teach like six hours a day, go exploring. <laughs> like, and we were re- like, I got married really young, so it was like we were still like kids. Like, we were just so excited about this. So then, when we got there, and we we're like, um, no, this is oh uh, my goodness uh, on gnarly. So I being, I love to travel. I've I've done a lot of traveling even before this trip to China. I love to travel and I'm incredibly curious person. And so I would get up every morning at 5 AM and I would run around and explore the city around me for like an hour and a half, like every day. And we were over there for like five weeks. So Mm -hmm. I had built up all this awesome aerobic fitness Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what I think I'm just going to run a marathon. So and that's just kind of how that's just how I am. I'd say like since I was a little girl I'm very much like yeah, I think I'm going to do this. Like why not? And and you know, many times I'm I'm kind of met with this reaction of like you're crazy, like yeah, of course, like whatever. And I remember a lot of people being like what you're going to run a marathon? You're a soccer player. And a lot of people just kind of scoffing at the idea which is probably the worst thing to do to me because then I'm like fire is lit man right you don't think I can do it Mm. watch me (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, so it was a little bit of that like don't tell me I can't do something because now I'm just gonna blow it out of the park so yeah girl um, Yeah, really funny. Yeah, we also call that pride. Uh, <laughs> totally, but I think it works sometimes. I think there's a there's, there's power in no, and a lot of yeah. you know, like in that kind of or um, what's the word? Uh, just people <laughs> doubting you. Really, it's like, yeah. oh, okay, go ahead. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's natural. Like, just some people are just like that from the time they're little. Like, I've seen. You know, I have two kids, and they're so opposite. You t- like as soon as I. Tell Isaiah not to do something. He it's like he has this like re- physical reaction, and he literally will do it. <laughs> I'm like, that's crazy. I literally just told you no. Like, but inside you're like, you're like, good boy. <laughs> totally. I'm like, oh, I have to like turn around and not laugh because I'm like, he is my son. Like oh, that God. that blood runs thick right through your yeah. son. How old are the um, kids? So both their birthdays are this month. They're 12 and 14. Oh how and that's cute. really crazy to say because you know, I had kids at 10. Yeah. So <laughs> you're like okay. No, so <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't I went with it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not 20. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, oh, I mean, I have to say, like the layer of you being a uh, mommy, mm-hmm. you know, on top of what you do and what you've been doing is it's extra incredible in my opinion. Being a mom is like being an ultra athlete (laughs) and I'm not a mom, you know what I mean? But I've got all my, like my best friends, so many of them are mommies, you know? And, Mm. you know, I mean, like I see my best girl, Carrie Walsh Jennings, you know, Mm -hmm. Olympian, badass, like she's She's got three kids. She's amazing, right? She's amazing. And I mean, you know, it's, it's probably good to insert the, your, the support of your your husband, your teammate, because I know in her life, you know, it's not just Carrie being a mom and handling everything and like doing all the competition. It's, it's having an, an incredible teammate and partner as well, mm-hmm. which I'm sure has to be the case for you. Cause I know that you've been with your, your husband for a long time now. Right. Yeah. Since I was 18. Which is <laughs> that was like eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no he is incredibly supportive and he is a, a a wonderful father and he's a teacher he's an elementary school teacher oh. so while everyone's at home freaking out about homeschooling their kids I'm like hey I got a teacher here so my husband's just he's yeah got laid out the schedule he's got them oh. doing something every 30 minutes like yeah it's a it's a huge blessing but yeah he is a phenomenal father, and you know, at the end of the day, what what makes a great dad? And I think this has really set up my my children is just they they really, really know and feel how much he loves them, and it's just as simple as that. I yeah. really feel like that you know, when you have a dad that that will sit down and spend time with them, and he just gives of himself so much it bleeds out into their lives and who they are and just their their mental health and their confidence and Absolutely. you know the joy on their face i mean it is it really is a gift to be able to have a good dad and you know and i'm all about like mama's being a strong mama and stuff but i'll tell you what when a girl has a daddy that loves her it changes her whole life like yeah, yeah we we need that girl Mommy, mommy-daughter relationship is very special. But the bond between a child and their father is, I, I can't emulate that. And so I just see that as just a very powerful, powerful gift that they get to have. Because I don't have that. I don't have a relationship with my dad and you know, my growing up was, was very, um, scary and tumultuous and, and sad. Uh, and you know, my whole life I'll always have to deal with a piece of that because of it. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, the first few days we were home with Mackenzie, we bringing her home. I remember so many times, and I know some of it was just baby, baby emotions, but like just looking at him, hold her the way he'd hold her and look at her and he'd sing to her. And just, I would just cry. Cause I was like, I don't think I ever experienced that. And through every stage of her life, you know, when she was three, he took her out on her first date. And it's like, I never yeah. had that. I don't, I don't even understand that. And yeah. so, um, so yes, I, I can't say enough about who he is, just the, the character of a man. And, and he's, he's very opposite me as far as like social media and stuff goes. He doesn't like it. I had to like beg him just to get on Facebook so he could connect with his family. Oh really? Like, listen, like, at least get on Facebook because your parents are on Facebook, all your aunts and uncles and cousins and your s- siblings. Like,
1: yeah. And he
0: he is since like he loves that, but yeah, he he doesn't Instagram or Twitter or blog or. Are you guys around the same age? Taken. Or, yeah, we're the exact same age. Oh wow, um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's just his. It's just who he is. Um, is he? he where was, is he from? He's from Lakewood. Okay, cool. So you guys are yeah, both from California, Southern California. Yeah, we're both from Southern California, and um, yeah, he's just a lot more of a private, quieter. That's person. nice too, right? I think that that could be. It is. I mean, we're yeah, we're we're very opposite in in a hundred different ways. But um, does he run too? He does. Like he'll probably do like you know between three and five half marathons a year, which is, oh, he's has way more road races than I have. Okay. Uh, That's another thing a lot of people don't know about him. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's so funny because just like a few years ago, he started doing it. I'm like, why the heck are you doing this? You hate running. Like you oh, literally really? hate it. Yeah. He's like, Sally, if I don't have a goal, I will not work out. He's like, this is the only reason. And if he, if he, and his goal also is like, I have to do them, but they always have to be under two hours. And he's an incredible soccer player. That's actually how we met. He's a phenomenal soccer player. That's hot. So he's soccer player, sorry, just interested. <laughs> they were yeah. all the hottest guys growing up. I mean, they. Right? I love, like, I, I love know. football. Watching, you mm-hmm. know, Spanish League and all that, but like, just yeah, not surprised. He got the hot one. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! So funny, so oh funny. No, God. it's true though. He's a cutie, but he, he, yeah. So, so he does half marathons just to to have a goal and to stay in shape and, and to keep himself motivated. He's a very like practical, logical thinker. He's like, if I don't have a goal, I'm not going to work out. So here's the goal. And then he just, oh, doesn't, that's cool. Yeah, doesn't attach any that emotions is. to that. Yeah. He's just like, it is what it is. So <laughs> That's so funny. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, both of your kids are being raised by, you know, parents who, obviously you are a professional athlete, but even, you know, their mm-hmm. father, because I think, um, you know, and this is maybe another point of connection for us. My mom is, you know, not, uh, and not athletic at all. She's so, she's amazing. Um, but she's definitely, you know, I grew up very tomboyish, but very feminine at the same time. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's a lot of that came naturally downloaded, but also enhanced by my mom. Mm Um, but my father who as well is similar to you, you know, there was adversity. There was just, you know, and I, am in a relationship, like my, my relationship with my dad now is he doesn't live in the country and we do communicate and it just feels good. Um, but in my childhood years, it was, it was gnarly. It was, you know, because I don't, you know, whatever happened in his childhood, you know, we're always affected by our upbringing. Right. Yes. So it was, you know, it's like a, that, that upbringing, like the house had to always be clean the, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I'm actually mm-hmm. really grateful now for. It's cause I'm like OCD clean. I'm not even <laughs> OCD clean. I'm not OCD. I don't know why I say that. It's just like a habit, that I'm like, I just like yeah. things to be nice. But anyways, just mm-hmm. to say that my dad was also like, he did iron Man's. like, he was so, I was bench pressing oh, wow. oh with my brothers God. at seven. And, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was, I think at like 13, 14, and as I started to get older, you know, I would get mad at him, like, oh, because I have this mesomorph. You know, I always had lean muscle mass, you know, mm-hmm. not, yeah, be like, oh, my dad, because he would make me bench press. And now I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful for it. But, right, yes, <laughs> oh my god. but yeah, he it was gnarly. Um, I think where I was going with this is just I'm so grateful that while there were things in my family, my childhood with my dad that were difficult, similar to you. Um, I'm so grateful that I did. Sport was a part of my earliest years because the framework that you gain from, uh, from sport, any sport really, I think. And, and especially when your parents can be examples of it in their own life, you know, like you and your husband are, are showing to, to your kids as well. It Mm -hmm. transfers, man. And when you think about you know, the intangibles that we gain from sport and how transferable they are into like, again, coronavirus, you know, I mean, your resilience, your capacity for pain, even like your threshold is gnarly because Mm -hmm. of your sport. And then obviously your childhood as well, but like it is it's so powerful and it is so useful. So I think it's, it's a wonderful thing. A for, for kids to be in sport period, almost like whether you like it or not, you should have a little yes. bit of sport in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's super special when you have parents or a parent that could, you know, be an example of, you know, just in some way, shape or form, like even if it's just someone, a parent who just is actively, You know, active in their life, like always going to the gym or always going on the runs or doing whatever, just to show your children as you raise them, like, Hey, this is, this should always be a part of your life. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. So important. So that's rad that you guys share Mm -hmm. that together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really grateful for it. I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's at a different level. So sometimes we will, we'll joke. He'll be like, how far did you run? (laughs) Oh, uh, you know, I'm like, dude, you like, and you know, this is really interesting too, Roxy, because, um, you know, like if I, if I finished my training, and I love going to Whole Foods a lot of times after a long day in the mountains, I'll go to Whole Foods and I'll get like a green juice. And like, I just, you know, it's a lot better than, you know, running to McDonald's, which sometimes I feel like doing too, but I don't, um, <laughs> <No>. running there. I can see. Oh my God. <laughs> hey guys. No, but like, all uh, there's this whole foods at the bottom of, of Mount Baldy where I, I train quite a bit. So I'll go there and I'll grab a green juice or whatever. But there have been sometimes where I walk in and I, I look like I've just rolled down the mountain because I'm <laughs> filthy. Like I have like, you know, pine cones stuck in my hair. I got dirt up to my knees. Like I've been, you know, I've just spent seven hours training and I'm, I'm like loading up on the food, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm food and juice and everything refueling the body. And I can't tell you how many, you know, I get, if I'm in my workout clothes and like you, I was created with, and I've talked to doctors about this, but I was created with, with very natural, uh, muscle mass. That's very Mm -hmm. evident. Uh, it does not take long for me to build muscle. I mean, I walk by a dumbbell and there it is. (laughs) Um, it's almost like been a problem. Like as I was growing up, I was like, Hey, how can we reduce this? But, um, but now I've, I've learned to, you know, I've learned to love it over, over the years, but there's a small percentage of women that are like that. Like on average, women just don't build like men do. And I feel like I build muscle like a, like a man. It's very easy for me to get, nice and nice and big. So, but people, if I'm in, if I'm in just shorts and a tank top, I get approached quite a bit. And, and anytime a woman approaches me and I've had women say like, oh my gosh, like how do I get legs like that? Or how do I do this? Or, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm being a creeper, but man, I've been working out, you know, so hard and I can't get like that. And I just, over the years, I felt so compelled to, just let these women know first and foremost, I want you to know that this is my job. You know, and I, I feel Boy. like sometimes women w- we we are constantly comparing ourselves to one another, mm-hmm. right? Like we yep. we always have it in our minds that we need to look a certain way or that we could really, man, we could just do a lot better if if our stomachs look like this or our butts look like this. And okay. and so I have felt like this, like like I need to let you know, like, hey. I look like this because I spend six, seven hours a day to look like this. Right. You know, like I, out of all due respect, like I would not look like this if this wasn't my, (laughs) if it wasn't my job, but it, it, it's so awesome. The conversations that are created out of that. And I always feel like it's my responsibility to say, you are doing an awesome job and you look beautiful, you know, like you work in an office all day long you're going home to your three kids who have homework. You got to put dinner on the table yeah, and you're doing the best you can to take care of yourself. And and so you're, you're not supposed to look like me. Like we, our lives are completely different and, and this is what a professional athlete looks like. This is what we get paid to do. Our body is our job and it's not easy. And it's so, you know, it's just kind of, it's being honest all the time. Like you know, I used to resent when actors or actresses would say, I only work out 30 minutes a day, three times a week. Oh and God. I look like I this. And I'm like, I know you liar. liar. You also got a personal chef. Right. <laughs> Lie. Lie. A trainer that comes in and tell me about all the supplements you're taking and that you're only eating 800 calories a day. Like, what's let's, let's so get it. bad right? Yeah, Yeah, no, no, it really honest, be honest. That is the biggest (laughs) service that you could, because it's, it is, listen, I've had women say to me, I want to look like you. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, no, you want to look like you, the best you. And then when you turn it around, they're like, you're right. It's like, yeah, dude, I, my physique is because this is what I do as a constant is my lifestyle, but above even that is it's my physique, it's my body composition, it's absolutely my, it's how I'm made and I'm designed and my choices and I and I remember, you know, I I had um th- I've had three knee surgeries when I was uh mm. 15 or seventeen. Wow. Yeah, I blew up my ACL and then I blew up my meniscus twice from time uh. to go. And it was gnarly because I was all of a sudden for like two almost three years I was in and out of surgeries and I was in in like always in PT laid out in the bed and mm-hmm. at the time I you know was eating the standard American diet for the most part and I you know my diet is very I'm a science biology geek I'm super into uh, nutrigenomics and mm-hmm. you know really just like how cellular health so, yeah awesome. you know my yeah. My diet's like, it's gnarly. It's, it's fun. I love it. It tastes so good. Um, uh, but it's very nutrient dense and you know, I don't do processed foods or, or any of that stuff. But mm-hmm. the point that I'm making is that at the time, you know, and especially being athletic and all that, like I never had to think about my food. I was 16, like eating, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I get injured and I can't be active the way that I was and I gained weight. And so, and you know, like on our, I'm five four, mm-hmm. Um, okay. so not, not tall, but not mm-hmm. short either, but y- you can see a couple pounds on me. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when this happened and I'm going to leave numbers out of it, but it, it, and fortunately, like when I gain weight and maybe this is the same for you, um, I gained it all over. So it, it really distributes well, you know, Yeah. same here. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so. I was used to having an eight pack growing up. Like it was a joke. It was like, I was ripped all the, if you look at my brothers, like you trip out cause they're bodybuilders and, you know, st- uh, strength and conditioning coaches. Like my family are, you know, athletes and all of a sudden I don't have a six pack anymore. And I, and it wasn't even that I didn't have a six pack. It was just that I was not in my, I, I wasn't in my body and I knew that. And it made sense because I was laid out and I was eating all this food whatever. And so it ended up being the, the, the pain that inspired what would become such deep passion for me, which was learning about biology and nutrigenomics and, and health really, you know, and, and now to the level that I can actually guide other people and, you know, and it's, is a lot of what I do with Black Belt Beauty with my brand, but, um, you know, I, it's, uh, I think, you know, it took me so many years and so much trial and error to crack the code to get back into homeostasis, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think I have so much compassion for women because who, you know, look at body types and compare because I remember so many years in those, when I was like trying to figure it out and not knowing what to do and how to do it, being that way, you know, and being like, oh, look at her, or like how do I do that or reading the actress that said, like what you just said. It's like I've been there. So for me, I I'm I'm so with you just holding that compassionate, you know, place for women where it's like mm-hmm. number one, like if you are doing your best, like you need to honor that cuz that is really important you yes. know not compare yes. and if you can do better it's something i always say then do better and that's mm. i i'm always looking i always believe that i can do better uh, yes <laughs> like,
1: absolutely
0: like, so agree right it's mm. just a, i love the mindset of that but yeah that's it's beautiful that you i'm i'm so grateful that you just expressed that in this episode because i think it is it it is an important message to share that mm. and your body is banging like you're so I love that you, I have to say this, because when you think like long distance runners, typically we don't see a, we don't see build like you, like you have muscle. And and I've, I've watched like some of your like Instagram, you know, some training um, posts and whatnot, and you do implement weights and you I know we've jumped around a lot, but maybe since we're there, like let's get into some yeah. training. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I love this. I love that you have the same brain as me. We are so ADD, and this is <laughs> like, awesome. This is how I communicate. Like you are my people. I love it. I know. I know. I can't wait. We're gonna have to do when we're able to like be in three feet of uh, distance with each other. Again. Yes. <laughs> we got to do it in to. person. We sure. do. There has to be a part two. I feel like I could talk to you forever. You're like my for spirit sure. animal. I like yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I can every way, like every time I hear you laugh, I just like my heart warms up. <laughs> oh my God, ditto. I'm, I'm pumped right now. now. Let's talk about yeah. the training and what it looks like for you. How are you doing this? Yeah, for sure. I love this topic. I'd say that this is probably... Um, just as you introed it, like as far as like my my body goes, I get asked these questions a ton because I do not fit the mold. I run like between 100 and 120 miles a week. And typically anybody, if you're running that much, like you look pretty skinny. I'm just going to go out there and say that. Like yeah. you, it's not un, like a, a, an elite professional runner that is running over 100 miles a week. It's really difficult to re to um maintain a muscular build. Mm -hmm. And so when I I trained for this race called Badwater 135, which is primarily on road. It was the first time I did a road ultra in 2018. I'm slated to do it again this this July. It's considered the toughest foot race on the planet. You run from um, Death Valley, the lowest point in the United States to Mount Whitney, the highest point in the United States, although wow. they the top of the portal. But when I was training for that, I was primarily on road. And so, um, I was out of the mountains now. Running uphill, it's a great strength builder. And so, when I am training for bigger mountain races, my body actually kind of morphs into. I look a little different. I look a little bit like muscular. I'm a little bit bigger. Um, I am also like a little bit heavier. But I'm training just as much. I'll spend long days in the mountains, but I just build muscle so much. So when I transitioned on the road, I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder how my I wonder how my body will change. And it really right now, as, I, as I'm talking about my body, I really, um, just to everyone listening, as a professional athlete, I personally look at my body as my job. This isn't about gene size and how much I weigh. Like I have a very healthy view of my body. There's, there's racing weight where you know that you race at your best weight with your best strength. And then there's, you know, how can I get my body to be at its best in training and to function um, at its best? And I have not been injured for like six or seven years. Um, I eat a lot. I train well. And so I love, I love this topic because I like to approach it with as much health and confidence as possible. So, you know, when I started training on the road and I was doing hundred plus miles on the road, I did notice that my body became a little bit, Um, leaner. However, I was like, I'm going to do an experiment. So I went and had my body fat tested. I did like the underwater testing. and Then I did DEXA scan. Have you Mm -hmm. ever done that? I have. Yeah, It's like they get down to like your visceral fat, like the brown fat. It's like really accurate. I was building muscle. Um, My bones were super strong. I was becoming leaner, but I was building muscle. And oh my gosh, I could not like it was weird to me because I thought uh, I if I'm leaning out, and I wasn't in the gym as much, I was doing like a lot more body weighted type exercises. Okay. So I was, um, you know, I'd, I'd go to the gym for like an hour in the morning. It was a lot of body weight, core, dynamic stretching, dynamic exercises, a little bit of dumbbell work. I was never doing big machines or Olympic lifting, I wasn't tossing sledgehammers or anything like that. Yeah. It was just really focusing on making sure my body wasn't injured or tight or immobile. And then I would go and run, you know, between 15 and 25 miles a day. So, you know, during that time, I thought, you know, I'm really gonna, I'm probably gonna lose all this weight. And I I did, I maybe lost like a couple pounds. Mm -hmm. The muscle just became more and more apparent. So it was like my body changed, but just in a It didn't change weight-wise, maybe maybe by a couple pounds, but I became more muscular
1: (laughs) as the months went on.
0: It was insane, and I remember my really good friend Michelle Cazares, who owns a practice up in Brea. She's a sports um, sports medicine doctor, PT. She's amazing, and she's like Sally. She's like I, you know, I've even had a discussion with some with some friends, with people with your type of body type. She's like, what you need to understand is this is like the way you were made, like. You are. You have all this muscle, and it's there. And and I had talked to her too. I go, is there a way that I can make it like a little bit smaller on my quads, maybe? <laughs> like that would be nice. She's like, this is like you got to embrace all of this. And it was just such a sweet, good conversation from a friend, but also from a professional that knew what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? How awesome is it for me to represent a completely different body type? Than what is normal, you know, or maybe more common, not normal, which is more common among endurance athletes. Because I'll tell you, you know, I will get on that start lane. And by, by form, I am like one of the biggest girls on that start line. Really? You know, I look from my right to my left and girls are literally 30 and 40 pound pounds lighter than me. Cause I, oh. my, my racing weight is about 135. And so I'm standing there with girls that, you know, maybe a hundred pounds, maybe 110. If I got down to 110 pounds, I would end up in the hospital. Like yes, I, would- I I weigh 135. And if I, I can't even imagine if I. Oh, yeah. Same. No way. I would look terrible. And so, um, I don't think I'd be able to perform and do what it is that, that I do on a daily basis. So one of the things that, um, I do this thing on Instagram, it's called ask me anything. I'd say about, you know, there's a, a, in the top three questions, there's always a question about my body. People Mm -hmm. are perplexed. They're like, I don't understand how you run that much and you're that muscular. What are you eating? You know, what are you doing? Like, what do your workouts look like? Come on, there's got to be some secret. And it's like, but isn't it awesome just to be able to say, I don't have the answers exactly why I'm like this, but I do know this is the way I was made. And from the time I was a little girl, I've always been muscular. And if I am not eating enough, I don't feel strong. And if I lose too much weight, then I do get injured and I do not run as fast as I, as I think that maybe I would because I lost those few extra pounds. Like this is where I function at my strongest. And yes, it's heavier than, than those other girls, but I'm also beating those other girls. (laughs) Like, yeah, this is not, this is not about, and, and unfortunately in our world, we're thinking, well, thin wins. That is actually a very sad phrase, but like, and it's not. Thin does not always win. Strong wins. And sometimes you're strong for some girls is 110 pounds. That is the strong, most powerful weight they can be at. But for other women, it's 140. That's the most strong and powerful weight. So I've kind of done away with calorie counting. I've done away with weighing myself all the time. You Mm -hmm. know, if I'm not feeling like I have good energy or I'm not feeling great, I'll take like three to four days where I will count the calories. I'll weigh myself and be like, all right, what's going on here? But it's, it's strictly for that. It's let's fact find and see what's going on, adjust that. things, and then we move on because you know it. Truth is, is what gets us to um, to our goals and what helps us to take that next step. So, on one hand, you could completely—I oh, threw my scale away and I never calorie count. But it's like, well, if you do it for a few days, it is going to help you. If you're like, oh, I didn't realize I was eating four thousand calories every day, and that I'm actually nine pounds over of my normal racing weight. Okay. I wasn't even, cause I'm wearing all the same clothes. I didn't even realize that. So you let me take a couple days, see what I can do and then get back to where I'm feeling good. And it's just, you know, always approaching it in a healthy way. I literally am applauding you right now. This is I'm so, <laughs> so grateful for you to express <laughs> it. And, and I just want to add to it too. Even just to understand your macros. So, you know, to muscle protein synthesis, I don't know if uh, you're really dialed into this, but it's Mm -hmm. so important for all of us humans to keep our muscles healthy because it's actually an endocrine organ. So Mm -hmm. in later decades of our life, we really need these, we need our muscles to keep us alive and like for longevity, you know? So like one of the problems when you don't have enough muscle, if you are Let's just say, you know, in your later decades and you fall and you break your hip or you get pneumonia, you know, how a lot of people who that happens to, they get taken out. It's because yes. they don't have the, the muscles is kind of like the, the savings account to your repair mm-hmm. for your body's repair. And my good friend, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is the queen of this conversation, Um, Mm -hmm. she's incredible. And she, she, she's been on hand, you know, in geriatrics, like taking care of, you know, elderly people who have been in this scenario. And she's like, it's, it's heartbreaking because when you see, you know, these are scenarios that could have been prevented had, you know, there had been more, um, focus on keeping your muscles healthy and strong. So, you know, I, I, I think that, so for you to get muscle protein synthesis by way of diet, you need at least 30 grams of high quality protein. So you need your amino acid profiles to not just be fully there, but like to be at a certain level to stimulate. And then the other way that you accomplish uh, this in the body is through uh, resistance training, like training really, but resistance training in particular. So Mm. most people I feel don't understand the you know like what is 30 grams of protein like what mm-hmm. does that even look like so i'm just adding the value that yes while it's not about tracking every day and looking at your calories every day and being upset obs- it's not about that but it's it's just being able to work with your biofeedback and understand like how you so perfectly said, like, if I feel off for a couple days, cool, I'm going to bust it out and I'm going to see where am I at. So that you can work with your body because the goal is to keep yourself as in your scenario. I mean, everybody's scenario would be ultimately to stay healthy and strong, but Mm -hmm. when you, in your specific, I mean, girl, let's be real. Like you're putting your body under a tremendous amount of stress. You yes. just are. And mm. if you are asking your body to do this and you're not respecting your body by way of your nutrition and your training, your recovery, like all of what is necessary for your body to get you through these runs. I mean, that's, that would never work. So I love that you just brought that up so beautifully mm. and that it's an active part of your training, your lifestyle. It's really important. It's an important message. Thank you, Roxy. I I can't speak. I mean, I think you and I could probably speak about this all day. I love I your enthusiasm <laughs> and passion in that because you know the I I know that for the past couple of years there have, it's been plastered over all over social media and in some ways to the point where I'm like ugh it's it's yucky how sometimes we talk about the body issue and the weight or or mm-hmm. even in some ways it's it's just. Um, it's, uh, there's sometimes the wrong people talking about it, like people that are still really struggling. And then they kind of use their posts to kind of shame anyone for saying anything like, this is the way I look. And it's like, no girl, you just need a hug. Like (laughs) you actually just need a big old hug because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know there's charts out there and there's things like that, but we, we know and feel our bodies the best. And if the overall goal is to move through life in the healthiest and strongest way that we can, one way that you can kind of gauge that is, are you enjoying life? Are you able to get up the stairs? Can you, um, you know, go on a walk with a friend and not be completely winded or in pain or aching or, you know, just feeling terrible. Sometimes those are the better gauges as opposed to what's on the scale, how do your clothes fit? Or even on the complete flip side of this, thinking that, you know, well, if I'm morbidly obese, well, I just love my curves. And yeah. it's like, you know what? That's actually dangerous. That's a yeah. dangerous mindset. And that, that is not about loving yourself. Loving yourself is taking care of yourself. And we, we are truly taking care of ourselves. We're giving it the things that it needs we're giving it fresh air and we're moving through life. That means we're getting out and we're moving, we're feeling our bodies and we're we're hearing our breath and we're losing our lungs. And when you are able to get out and move through life, that's when you can really touch and connect with people around you. That is That is where the real living comes from. And so I think that when I have an opportunity to, Talk to people about fitness and nutrition and training. You know, I try to as much as possible, not so much focus on, well, every morning I get up and I get on the scale and I eat, you know, X amount of calories on this day. Everything kind of always funnels back into food is my fuel and I need it. And I actually eat a lot for what I do because I need it for what I do. And at the same time, it's also when I look in the mirror, I realize no one else gets to have the body that I get to have except me. And it is a machine that I get to try and make better every single day. And sometimes it's not perfect. And sometimes I fail. And sometimes I put things in it. Maybe I I shouldn't. And sometimes I don't feel good. But every day I get the opportunity to make it better. And it's freaking amazing the things that our bodies are able to do, but also realizing that we haven't even tapped into the things that our bodies can do. And I think that when I talk to people about ultras, taking this a step further, it's realizing there was a time in my life that I was like... Dude, 100 mile races, that's freaking whack. Like who does that? That's insane. <laughs> that's like, why would you do that? But as I said earlier, there's always been this curious side of me that's like, wait, you're telling me that the human body can go and run for 100 miles straight without stopping. Like I don't need to stop and sleep. Like someone's yeah. not gonna pick me up halfway and put me in a hotel. Like I, a human body can literally do that. That is probably one of the biggest draws that I had. And I'm always fascinated with what our human bodies are capable of. And when I started traveling, uh, when I was 17 and I've been exposed to so many different countries and ways of life and you see how different people live, you see five-year-old girls walking eight miles to a water well to bring back, you know, water to their family at a very young age. It's like nobody here in California is doing that. But that little five-year-old girl does a 16 mile round trip to go get water. Like, What are, like, our mindsets are so shaped on what is immediately around us and what we've known and what we understand. And so the ultra races for me, the way that I approach them, I'm like, This is just a beautiful metaphor to life and the resiliency and strength and these unlimited capacities that are in all of us. It's not just me. I get on the start line and I can look around me and there's people in their 50s, 60s, 70s that are on that same start line that have believed that they can go the same distance, the same journey that I'm about to take. And I couldn't be more inspired By that, and I think it's incredible. So, you know, when it comes to body talk, when it comes to you know the way that we look and muscle mass and calories and all that, it's like if we just change our perspective to be like, what is it that I could do with this one body that I was given? Oh my gosh, the calorie, all of that stuff that becomes like way that becomes secondary. Because it's so exciting when you're in the middle of the adventure. You don't. Even, I'm, I'm not thinking about calories when I'm powering up a mountain. I'm thinking like this is freaking amazing. I can do this. Yeah. You know? Oh my Aww. god, I have chills. <laughs> it's so good. That is so beautiful. That was really powerful. I legit have chills. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I know you're right there with me, Roxy. I, I really right am though. No, it's just it's 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 you know perspective for me. I I, I really do believe our perspectives shape our lives you know and your ability to to look at things the way that you do i think is such a support system for you to be able to do what you do you know and it's it's beautiful that you you make sure that you are not only speaking about you know the logistics and the technical aspects of of you know how you train and what your train lifestyle looks like as this ultra badass runner but also, like I think the the foundational piece is like the underlying message, the perspectives, all the things that you just you know have been sharing in this amazing conversation. I think that you know for me like that's always the most important thing, right? Um, you know, when I go to train, yes, I'm I I want the the abs, the shoulders, the things I want. No, it's I want all that. But what I'm really reaching for in any form of movement that I am engaged, even if it's like breath work and yoga. I mean, just something that's more toned down. It's the mind. It's the perspective. It's, it's that because that to me is more, the most important piece to how I could, you know, to, to like it's, it's almost like the better way to say it is it, it gives the biggest benefit to the rest of my life. Like the perspective and the mindset and, you know, just uh, highlighting this stuff is really important. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you take my breath away. I'm going to be mindful of time because, you know, I want to respect your time. You're a mommy, you've got things to do. I do want to ask you some questions. What do you think running has taught you up to this point in your life about yourself? Mm. I think it's taught me the power of moving forward. I know there's a lot of, you know, motivational mantras and stuff like relentless forward progress and, you know, keep moving, keep going, don't quit. But, you know, because I, I love doing the ultra distances, these hundred mile races, I'd say that many times while racing them, I've, hit these low points in a race, you might be like 62 miles in and, you know, in a storm or in snow going up the side of a mountain and just feeling really beat up and low and not really being able to even grasp the idea of getting to a finish line. Um, I've been there a few times and I feel like that what running has taught me is that, um, and I said it before, but it's just such a beautiful metaphor to life that we sometimes are in these valleys that we don't think that we're going to get out of. But if we just bravely move forward without and, and being okay with not having the answer or seeing the finish line, but keeping that hope that if I just keep moving forward, that it will get better. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of a more truer message that has aligned in my life. um, you know, I think sometimes when I chat with people who are in a bad place, it's like they just want an answer. Just give me an answer and I'll be able to go to bed with, at peace tonight. But I always like to say, but what if I, you don't ever have that answer? Then who are you? Like, who are you going to be and who are you, how are you going to choose to respond in this way? And that is something that I always ask myself. If I can't get out of how I'm feeling in the middle of this race, Or I can't. I'm having a hard time working up this mountain. Um, Who am I still? And you know that's always helped me get to that finish line. When I get to that finish line, it's like that overwhelming joy is so much greater than just like, oh my gosh, I made it to the finish line. It's like I just overcame so many demons in my mind. Yeah, and also overcame like so much of what I face every day in my life. Because racing, you, I sign up for that. Like you sign up to suffer. Like that isn't like yeah. it's not a terminal illness, like people that have real difficult journeys, right? That they don't sign up for these obstacles. But I can also relate because I'm like, no, this is like many stories in my life. So those two intertwine so tightly. So um, yeah, I think it's just, it's that, it's that ability, um, you know, running has taught me that, you know, like life, it's, it's beautiful and amazing when we just keep moving forward. Just keep going. So, so yeah. good girl. I am like <laughs> watching a movie right now. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, if you saw my face in real life, I mean, literally, I'm like, <laughs> jaw open, little drool, a little drool hand. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So real. <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay. T- two more questions before wrapping up okay. So So, um, what would you tell your, w- let's go back 20 years, mm-hmm. whatever that age is like, what would you tell that version of yourself from where you are now, what you know now? Like, mm. like advice. Oh, man. 20 years ago. Sally, do not get married so young. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Girl. Girl, oh my gosh! <laughs> no, but 20 <laughs> years ago, uh man, that that was that was a real time in my life and I, I think I would just kind of tread on that on that same message like you know, the best is yet to come, right? It's yeah. you're you're in it thick right now, but I promise you like it, it it will get better. Just keep going. And I think that when we, I, I think even hanging on to that, that idea that the best is yet to come. Sometimes we want to believe that just instantly, if I have that mindset that, yay, everything's going great. Sometimes it gets way worse before yeah. it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> right? And I think that that is, you know th- that is also like the gold in all of that is if i really believe that the best is yet to come and things actually get worse that's actually the true test that i am believing that that i am hopeful and i do have like that faith to keep going because um it's it's understanding that i am strong and i am resilient and you can throw any damn thing my way and i'm i'm going to keep moving forward in this because no one uh, you know, no one misses out on life when they keep moving forward. And there's nothing worse than being paralyzed by fear and, and challenges. Um, I think that's where many people actually live is, you know, being fearful and, and paralyzed by that fear. And so I think that, you know, when I look at, man, who I was 20 years ago, um, you know, keep moving forward, Sally, because there's a lot of crazy, gnarly stuff ahead for you. I love it. Do you journal at all and meditate or I do, or do. I you? do. I write so much. I'm I actually I'm stuck in the middle of a book that has just been Are so you? difficult for me to finish. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is hard. I've been writing it for a while. So Yeah. No, it's hard. Well, that just means that it's not ready yet because it's, I've been writing my whole life as well. And I I love it. And I knew it. I, it was like a, a rhetorical question, but just, you know, because I, and the reason why I felt it, um, was just because first of all, you're an incredible speaker and you're not just an incredible speaker because you know how to deliver a message. Well, um, it's because there's so much authenticity and passion that are that your words are being born from, and I know that very clearly. Like a witch, like I can Aww. feel it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Roxy, I love it. Oh man, real? I swear, I'm a witch like that. I'm like, no, I can affect <laughs> you like the truth from like miles and miles away. You know, and it's so. I'm just so grateful to be connected. Margie. Thank you, girl. Cause this is a, you're, oh. you're a friend. Like we, yeah, that we're definitely going to do a part two. Um, yes. I, I'm so impressed. I'm so proud of you. I'm excited for you. I mean, obviously right now with this virus and, you know, things being changed up with your, uh, the races that you know mm-hmm. canceled, <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's also a beautiful opportunity. Uh, I, I I have a great feeling that with you, you're finding other ways to be creative, even with Mm -hmm. your training and just your life period and connecting with, you know, your community. And so beautiful things are being born from this, even if certain Mm -hmm. things are being canceled, you know? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. You're, girl, you're rad. Okay. So. (laughs) Thanks, Roxy. (laughs) How are you? Thank you. Okay. Rapid fire question, or not question, sorry. Rapid fire words. Okay. Okay. okay, love. Like what wait, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Literally that's what she said. No, what is that? <laughs> what? what? What am I doing with these words? <laughs> I'm not even gonna cut that out. <laughs> Love, like what do I do with that? That might be that might be the best one. You know what's so funny? Like the visual right now. i like, I feel like Sally just like walked up to the start line like like ready to go. <laughs> Wait, what? I just throw it at you like you're on your mark to set, What do I do? <laughs> where, where are we going? <laughs> 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 oh my god you guys this this ab workout is courtesy <laughs> <of>. <laughs> yes <laughs> like, seriously oh my goodness it's so good no yeah so I just am throwing words at you and mm-hmm. whatever comes top of mind or I like to say top of heart like whatever this word means to you or conjures up for you feeling wise like you just spill it and you're not in any rush I'm just like shooting me okay this i I mean, Oh, love, man. I I could talk for for days about this because I think that love covers all things. When it comes down to every subject swirling around our social media, everything, and I'm talking like unconditional love. It is everyone always. Yeah. Just period right there. Perfect. (laughs) Period. I love it. (laughs) Confidence. Oh, man. I immediately thought of my daughter. My daughter is 14 this month, and I think that is one of the greatest things that mothers pray for their daughters, that they, that they would be raised with great confidence, and that is everything that I want for her, um, is just to be confident in who she is and her dreams, and every time she start, walks up to a start line. That's beautiful. <laughs> she's got great examples. Yeah. You beautiful. and your man. Um, <laughs> next is challenge. Challenge. Well, currently... <laughs> I know, right? Right? Uh, right? Currently for all of us, uh, this is a challenging time, but I'll tell you what. Get it! I, I, I'll tell you what right here, Roxy, my girl. We do love a challenge. We sure we do, do. love a challenge. So you, you know, and you had said, I'm like, as soon as I knew that we were all confined to our houses, I was like, bring it on. You want to yeah. see... There will be no boredom. There will be no boredom. You know, people are like, I don't even know how to stay in shape. I'm like, let let me show you. Let yeah, me exactly. All the things. Let me show you what you can do in your room with zero equipment. I, I'm like, I, I, in a weird way, and I don't mean this in like the people getting sick way, but for people that are self-quarantine and are healthy at home and having to stay back, it's like, dude, the challenges are what kind of bring out your creativity, right? Like 100%. challenge equals creativity, imagination, and those two things are things that people are losing as they get older. So hello, let your creativity and your imagination shine right now. This is this is a good uh, time. <laughs> so you, I, I have a thing that I um, express often uh, through all my channels, which is seek the fight. And it essentially means, because so it goes back to, I believe that a lot of people are afraid of uh, discomfort. Um, like Oh, yes. You're afraid <laughs> to get punched in the face. And I don't even mean yeah. literally, but just like by life, right? And one of yes. the most beautiful things about jujitsu is like, you literally have to learn how to get comfortable with in discomfort. Right. And so yes, the fight for me means you guys don't be afraid to get punched in the face, move towards <laughs> the challenges that are going to grow you. They're literally standing guard at the next level version of you, but you got to go towards it. You got to yes. be willing to be in the arena. And if it puts you on your knees, who cares? Get back up. Heck like, yeah, Roxy, preach right here. <laughs> Does y'all feel the passionate level just increased right there? I love it. I love that so much. Like, I love it when you, when you feel like you just touched someone's passionate button. Right. And unfair, Roxy. We just went up 10 levels right there. It was beautiful. I can't help it. It's so, it's so real. It's like if I have a message to share with the world, it's that, you know? Yes. I have... I live in the arena, you live in the yeah. arena, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's what makes you so incredible. All of your adversity, every single time you're like, nah, I'm getting back up and I'm going to keep moving mm-hmm. forward. Like you just said perfectly. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I love it. Next one. <laughs> 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 I mean, I love you seriously. <laughs> um, um, <Gitto>. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Next one is fear. Fear. Ooh, fear not, fear not. Um, gosh, I like this one. Uh, I think every single time people ask me how I overcome fear when I go run in the mountains by myself. And I say that there was a time that I was deathly afraid of running in the mountains on the trails or anything. I was so paranoid of animals or even just people like abducting me. And then I realized that um, fear is one of the greatest destroyers of life. It will uh, stop your life in its tracks. And there's two wonderful definitions of fear. There's respect, and then there's the other definition where it paralyzes you. So you can either choose to respect the fear or let it paralyze your life. And so when I go into the mountains by myself, I'm very respectful of what's around me, I'm also incredibly knowledgeable of what is on that trail. You know, I've studied animals and how to survive outdoors, all that stuff. So I've respected that journey to be able to go out in the mountains on my own. But then there's also the paralyzing part where, well, I actually could just stay home and not have to deal with any of that. And so um, it, fear is a choice and uh it 's another topic that I think I could talk about for a while but it 's very real i I have a great compassion because some people live in fear and don 't know how to um, separate from it. And, and many times it's because they've never had someone show them or believe in them in that way. It's growing up with parents that are fearful or, um, you know, a partner that is, is is fearful about everything. And so, you know, helping people navigate fear in a, in a healthy way, I think is, um, a great topic of, of discussion. That's beautiful. And I think it's so relevant mm -hmm. right now. It's like Mm -hmm. the last thing that you want people to do is fear and then panic and also just be paralyzed because, you know, even if you think like, Hey, you guys right now, it's so important to keep moving. Like even in your living room, like keep mm-hmm. strong just in that sense. Right. Or, cause I think a lot of people, everyone's like thrown off their routine. Right. Cause everyone's yes. like, Oh my God, what's about to happen. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's hard to focus. It's hard to, you know, just stay in your, you know as as much as you can in in this kind of healthy routine, um hopefully healthy, but mm-hmm. just the idea just to kind of expand on what you said is you, you don't want to be paralyzed by fear, and you it's beautiful how you said it, like the ability to separate it like okay, I respect you, like I understand why you're here, but I can't let you leave me yes, yeah, absolutely so good. Mm-hmm. Girl. okay, next <laughs> one courage, courage, Hmm. I, I like courage to begin again. That always seems to go hand in hand. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have failed in every avenue of my life. And I think that courage is, has always been um, just the glowing word and the glowing attribute that I have needed in order to get myself back up and to try again. And I think that you know, I think everyone listening can identify this. It has, you know, not I'm not even just talking about sports, I'm just talking about life because you know, when when we fail many times that's the very reason why we don't try anything is because the fear of failure is so great and the fear of being criticized and judged within that failure is so overwhelming that we won't even try. So when we actually have that courage to try and we do, and then we fail. The amount of courage it takes to try again is, it feels like is just monumental. It's monstrous. And being able to get back up after a failure takes massive courage. But once you do it just one time, getting back up after one failure, I think it changes your whole life, your whole perspective on every, on everything, because you then realize Wait, maybe failing was actually what I needed to show me just how strong I am, and that this time around it's actually going to be better. So I love courage uh, going hand in hand with failure and trying again. So good. Okay, you're good. You're about okay. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Oh, okay. Um, Final word. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Resilience. Resilience. Hmm. <laughs> Resilience. <laughs> what and can you. <laughs> <laughs> and bam, we are done. Exactly. We'll see ending <laughs> on that. Yes. Is <laughs> us. Is <laughs> everyone listening? Because you are resilient for getting through this podcast. <laughs> Your eardrums are resilient. <laughs> your abs <laughs> <calves> are resilient. <laughs> yes, so because you know you wanted to be so <laughs> Right? Right? You know that because it's been so freaking long too. They've been trying to hold it. <laughs> this is the best way to end this podcast, Roxy. Oh my you know. God, I love it. There yeah. has to be a part two. We have to. Yeah, there has to I ha- be I sure. have to. Meet you and hug you. <laughs> oh, okay. I cannot wait. No, we should. Um, I'll. we'll, I'll wrap out about this afterwards. But I want to do a live IG with you. We got to do that. Um, I oh, would I'd love, love that, that so much. I love doing live great. IG. It's like a little mini podcast. Um, yes, you know. And right now, more than ever, it's so. I think it's so important to just hold it space for people to. You know. You know, this like elevating energetic space. Um, I think it's really important just to stay connected. But before I let you go, I just want to say thank you. I feel like you, not just for your time with me right now and with all of us, but really who you are in the world, uh, because you're an absolutely your contributor well, yes, your sport is, you know, you running in the mountains and it may seem not that anybody says this, it's like a solo sport. And by the way, clearly from that uh, video I watched last night, like you have an incredible team, like we'll tap about yes. it next time. But yeah. really, that was so moving to see mm. your team and how you guys work together. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, when he was like going to cry, like, oh my God, she's going to make oh, it. Like awesome. I was literally amazing. like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. yeah, Yeah, amazing. Um, but just, you know, I really believe when people are living, at their highest truth, you know, on like the highest level of their life, they're able to be, you know, radiating light and radiating this, you know, energy. Like I always say, like, we're, you're more than a woman. I'm more than a woman. He's more than a man. We are experiences in the world and we affect everybody. So we have given Mm -hmm. people an experience right now. You're, everybody is affected by who you are, Sally. So Mm -hmm. how you show up for yourself for your family, for your loved ones, for your community, for this world, I think it's it's just a beautiful thing that I really want to acknowledge. Um, mm. Yeah, girl, you're the shit. Basically, Aww. that was the short version. <laughs> <laughs> you're so awesome, Roxy. Thank you so much. This has been like the funnest podcast ever. Seriously, oh yay! So much Thank fun. You. So much fun. Tell um tell our listeners how they can stay in touch with you, follow you, Instagram, all that stuff. And obviously it's all in the show notes. Yeah. I mean, the best way right now is to follow me. I'm yellow runner on Instagram. Um, I'm doing a lot of stuff on IG stories and IG live during this time and just um, pushing out some posts there. And then um, in my bio, you can get to my, to my website, but that's probably the best way to, to keep up with me. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Amazing. All right, girl. Well, I can't wait for round two and me too. <laughs> and everything in between with you. We are definitely friends and staying connected. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. You guys, if you loved it, please share it on your social, throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at black belt beauty. I am also at Roxy look R O X Y L O O K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired